Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo, joined today by my co-host, Matt Filipovitz. Matt, um, we, we somehow, against all odds and against probably all scientific recommendations, made it. The boys are back in town, and I am so excited. So pumped we finally made it. Sorry. We, um, our legal team is non-existent, so that's the closest we can get to using uh, real music without having to worry about Thin Lizzy suing us, although I don't even know why anyone in Thin Lizzy would listen to this podcast, because we are a podcast about Penn State football, and today we are going to be talking about Penn State football's first game of this weird, truncated, uh, frantic, insane season in which the Nittany Lions are traveling to lovely Bloomington, Indiana. Uh, Matt, have you ever been to Bloomington? Uh, I have many years ago when my sister almost went there. It is a lovely place. If you, if you're, I, I don't know what many years ago means. How many years ago would this mean? Uh, I don't know, like seven or eight. Oh, so enough. That you, so yeah. enough that you could back up. Bloomington's a lovely place. Indeed. Penn State heading to Bloomington to take on the Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, 3.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time kick on Fox Sports 1. Uh, Nittany Lions entering this game as favorites, according to ESPN's Football Power Index, about a 71% chance that they win the game. Uh, currently, the fine folks out in the desert have them as six-and-a-half-point favorites. But before we get into talking about the game too much, Matt, I want to just go through some general expectations for Penn State this year. I think the best way to do this is to do general expectations for the offense, general expectations for the defense, and then general expectations record-wise, what we think they're going to accomplish, those sorts of things. So let's start by talking about Penn State's offense, a group in a that that has a very funny mix of being in total turmoil and having total sure things, uh, funny enough. What are your general expectations for what Kirk Chirac is going to do on that side of the football? My expectations are actually really high. I know it's a very bizarre offseason, but I think even after the season was originally, you know, postponed, canceled, whatever you want to call it, the fact that they still got, um, what was it, about two hours every couple days or every week or, or exactly what it was, I don't really remember, but they still had time to take a step back and put in the offense, and they weren't in a hurry at that point. So they were able to take a, a really good step back and really focus on getting things down at their own pace. And now you can kind of ramp it up, which I'm sure they've done in the past you know, month, month and a half. So my expectations are, are really high. I, I know historically it takes a couple years for Kirk's offense to really click and for teams to really get it. But I think Penn State has enough talent to the point where they can really speed that process along. So it, it, I think it'd be remiss if I if I said I don't know they can score 40 points a game but but to say they can't go out there and drop 30 a game yeah I I think that's really possible so I have really high expectations I I think this is uh, unless he wants to become a head head coach I think this is I think this is where he wants to build a national title title contender and that starts with this team this year so my expectations are a, a noticeable improvement on what we've seen the last two years it's so interesting because he because it's something that you basically just mentioned, Matt, which is that the, 
I feel like there won't be the gigantic learning process that you need when there's a new offensive coordinator, uh, when there is a new wide receivers coach, when there is a new offensive line coach, all these things for a pair of reasons. One, it just seems crazy to think that the stuff Kirk Shiraka is going to want the team to do is going to be mind-blowing, revolutionary, reinvent-the-wheel type stuff. It feels like he is taking the approach of, if we do it simply, if we do it sensibly, we should be able to win football games because we have a ton of talent on this team. And then I look at the known commodities of the Penn State offense. So... We know what Sean Clifford is. We know he has room for improvement. He seems willing to improve on that. But even if he does not, and, you know, I think it would be um, very, very surprising if he didn't take some sort of step forward this year. He set the bar last year at 2,600 yards, 59% of his passes, 23 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, uh, added another 5 scores on the ground, average uh, 3.5 yards per carry. So he wasn't, you know, blowing the doors off of teams, but he was doing a bunch of stuff that I think, if that's his floor, that's a pretty reliable, pretty solid floor, in large part because of what he's going to have around him. Again, as the known commodities. We know this offensive line is going to be good. We know this offensive line is probably very likely going to be very, very, very good. We know that Pat Fryermuth is the best pure tight end. You know, Kyle Pitts is uh, the wide receiver. You know, he's the Mike Gesicki type and I don't like not to take away or anything to anyone Kyle Pitts is that type Pat Fryermuth is the one who perfectly mixes being a wide receiver with a tight end we know that even though they are not going to have Journey Brown either for the entire season or for some portion of it they have Noah Kane they have Devin Ford and they have talent in that running back room so the stuff that we know Penn State has is stuff that they can rely on as they are waiting for the more questionable things, which basically means the wide receivers uh, and any kind of adjustment that will come to Kirk Shiraka's offense to come along. I don't know if I could, I'm confident enough to say this is an offense that can score 40 points a game, but Matt, did you read the thing that uh, our, our pal Bill Conway over at ESPN wrote today? No, I didn't get a chance to take a look at it yet. I was going to actually take a look at it like right after we finished recording had a really good line line in it and you know uh it was done apologies to those of you who don't get particularly happy about this but it was kind of done through the lens of the james franklin ohio state quote about making the jump from good to great and then great to elite and he identified a few areas where penn state can improve on and james franklin had a really good quote in it this quoting from jimmy The teams that are able to separate themselves consistently are the ones that can score points in a lot of different ways. In today's football, as good as you can be on defense, there's going to be a couple of games a year where you're going to have to outscore people. You're going to have to score 40-something points in a big-time game to get a W. I don't know if right away this... and this is an issue because Ohio State's week too. I don't know, Matt, if right away this offense is going to be capable of being the 
we're going to be able to score 40 to win ourselves a shootout type of team. But I absolutely think they are capable of getting to that level, you know, after a couple of weeks, maybe once we start getting into a start getting into game four, game five, that sort of thing. Yeah. And I don't think Penn state's a team built like, like those Ohio States, like LSU last year, or like Clemson and Alabama, because those teams, frankly, at first round wide receivers, those teams were absolutely loaded at pass catchers. And I think this Penn state team is going to be really run heavy. So I think that if you tweak that a little bit, I think they can score in a lot of different ways, but I think the primary way is going to be on the ground, which is very different. And I still think you can be really successful with that, especially with a good defense. It's kind of a throwback to, you know, 2010 to 2015 Alabama pretty much. Um, So I absolutely don't think there's, there's any reason why Penn state can't score in a lot of different ways, but I think their primary way is going to be different than, than the overall nationwide trend we're seeing. And, To kind of wrap up the expectations of Penn State's offense, I think that this is a unit... I go back to that James Franklin quote after Ohio State, where they have enough that I think they can go from great to elite this year. My only question is how long it takes them to do that, because that's the difference between them being the second best team in the Big Ten and going to, uh, you know, something like the Rose Bowl or them winning the Big Ten and going to the college football playoff. Uh, Looking at the other side of the football, this is so interesting because there's another quote from the story that I'm going to read in a bit. But when I look at Penn State's defense, I look at a defense that, I think is going to be really well coached, really well disciplined, and has difference makers, Matt, at all three levels. And when I put that stuff together, I think that they're going to have two really, really, really good tests to start the season, uh, you know, before things lighten up a little bit. I I mean, there's a chance that the two best offenses that they play are going to be week one and week two. But... I think that the path exists and it's a very easy path for them to stay on to be a, a one of the best defenses in college football again. Oh, easily. I, I think there's NFL dudes. I think there's multiple full on long NFL career dudes at all three levels. And that's something I don't think we've been able to say for a long time. Um, a big concern I think a lot of people have, you know, for whatever reason is the secondary. And I get that. And, a lot of that comes from watching this secondary get torched by decent quarterbacks in big games. And frankly, Penn State starts off the year against two better than decent quarterbacks in Michael Penix Jr. and, uh, and Justin Fields, uh, former future Penn State or Justin Fields, never forget. Um, so, but I really believe in Jaquan Brisker. I, I think that dude is the kind of playmaker, the likes that we haven't seen in a long time. And, and I think playing alongside Lamont Wade, a guy who's been around for, for for four years, you know, pretty much as long as you can be around. He early enrolled. You know, I granted he didn't redshirt, but you know what I mean. And then surrounding that with a lot of fun, exciting young talent at corner, I think this secondary has a real chance to be one of the best Penn State's ever had. And with a defensive line and linebacking core as good as this is going to be, I think this has the chance to be 
probably the most complete defense James Franklin has ever had. And that's even without Micah Parsons. Yeah, I mean, that, that that's what makes this team so interesting is the fact that they are, this is something we mentioned on the linebacker preview, they are losing, you know, calling him an elite football player almost undersells how just cut above everybody else Micah Parsons is. And yet they are, there's going to be an adjustment to it. They lost a second-round NFL draft pick in Etor Gross Matos. Again, there's going to be an adjustment there. But they have pieces that it it would be surprising if they had a big drop-off. Uh, the one thing I will say is that, and this is something that uh, Bill Conway wrote in his piece over at ESPN, uh, Penn State's defense, or, yeah, Penn State's defense, uh, best in the country and ranked 10th, one of the best run defenses in the country, ranked 10th on standard down success rate, 40th on passing downs, 67th on third and long. The national average for successful plays by the opposing defense was 18.8 yards allowed. Penn State was 23.6. When Penn State allowed the other team to do something, they were punished for it. And prize quote to Bill was, we've been a tremendous sack team for five years now. What happened in a different, in a few different games last year was we were more spread out on those blitz situations. We're not blitzing, we're rushing four, and it's more identifiable what the coverage is. What we found was we were just too vanilla, too easy, too identifiable for good play callers. And one thing that he pointed out was that heading into last season, Penn State's big issue on that side of the football was they would allow guys to pick up yards in the running game. So they honed in on that and they focused that. And last year they were number one in college football in yards per carry. I think that despite losing Etor Gross Matos, despite losing John Reed, another NFL guy, and despite losing Micah Parsons, when you consider all the talent that they have, what they've been focusing on, and just everything that could come together for this Penn State defense, it has a chance. I don't know if they're going to be Georgia level. I don't know if they'll be uh, maybe Ohio State and Clemson. I'm not sure. They won't be the best defense in college football, but I think they have every reason to believe they have a chance to be in the conversation for one of the three to five best defenses in the sport, Matt. Absolutely. And I think a big reason for that is how vicious this defensive line is going to be. Mm-hmm. I think Jason Owe's ceiling is higher than YGM's was. And that's no disrespect to YGM. YGM was was a borderline first-round pick. Uh, he, he's going to have a fantastic NFL career. But at the college level, a lot of it comes down to, are you more athletic than the dude in front of you? And that's Jason Owe in a nutshell. I think between P.J. Must for eating up space in, in a way that an interior defensive lineman's never had, and then allowing the Jason Owe's, the Shaka Tonys, the Shane Simmons of the world to get loose— I think is going to absolutely terrorize a lot of quarterbacks and a lot of I am not to get ahead of ourselves with the Ohio state game. I'm sure we'll talk about this a ton next week, but Justin Fields has never really had to deal with that and has never really been in all that close of a game as a starter. And when he was, we saw what happened and how Ohio state ended their season last year. So I think in, in this Indiana game, I need to see Jason Owe and, and Shaka Tony 
really settle in and, and strike fear into opposing quarterbacks that this kind of pressure can come from anywhere. And then I think that's really going to set up this linebacking group in this secondary to go out there and make a lot of plays on the football. Right. There there was a lack of complimentary. Uh, uh, well, you know, th- there was a lack of the elements of Penn State's defense complementing one another last year. When they were really, really good against the run, it oftentimes came at the expense of the pass. When they were able to get stops in the passing game, uh, it felt like it was because they were just weren't quite as vicious against the run. Uh, but I think that they're going to be in a much better position this year. I think that this the role of the defense is particularly important considering how they're folding in uh, a new offensive coordinator. And I think this defense has what it takes. And again, they're going to have, like you mentioned, Matt, they're going to have two really, really, really good good tests in the first two weeks of the season. I I can't wait to see what they end up accomplishing. Let's get into some record predictions this year. Uh, Penn State this season at Indiana, Ohio State, Maryland, at Nebraska, Iowa, at Michigan, at Rutgers, Michigan State. You look at those eight games, Matt, what do you think we are going to... Well. We'll just talk about these eight games and not the like funny Thunderdome thing the Big Ten is doing with its last week of the season. What do you think we're going to see out of these eight games for Penn State football? Eight and oh. Wow. I, I, I wrote this in my in my in the round table today on the site, uh, the record prediction. And to be fair, I have been right each of the last two years. I was I predicted nine and three in twenty eighteen, and I predicted ten and two last year, and I've gotten all the losses right. So a little humble brag there. I think we have always looked at 2020 as the year. I think this has been the narrative for a long time now. And I am not going to let a pandemic get in the way of my excitement because top to bottom, this is James Franklin's most talented team. And all we have to do, in my opinion, it won't be not saying everything after after October is not going to be hard. But if we get out of this month, 2-0, I think that path is there. And everybody keeps on saying this is a weird season. Everyone's like, oh, look at all the weird stuff happening across college football. This is such an eternal optimist in me. Why can't that weird stuff happen in Penn State's favor? I think it's more likely Penn State beats Ohio State than it is Indiana beats Penn State. And and I'm sure this is going to come back and haunt me in like 29 hours, and it's going to be terrible. But I am so excited for this season. And when I look at where Penn State's strengths are, it's hard for me not to think this team doesn't have a fair shot at anybody. And getting Ohio State at home with as much talent as Penn State has, that going undefeated and taking that jump isn't a realistic possibility. Well, um, for- granted, I, I, am, I am an eternal optimist and I always have this take, but... I, I don't know. This this year feels different. I, I think where the question marks are are easier answered. Like if, if we had question marks that like, oh, who is going to step up at guard, tackle, tackle? Like who who is going to be in the linebacking core? Like we know these answers, and, and they're, we're confident in all of them that they're going to be good. And outside of receiver, which is an area I think you can get by with some manageable dudes and maybe one or two playmakers, I think this is a team. That's built to go to the playoff. I 
I just can't get past Ohio State being weak too. Like I understand what you're saying. I agree with a lot of your points. It's just I maybe it's scars from the last couple of Ohio State games, whatever it might be. I think there are seven wins on this schedule, uh, ranging from uh, Maryland to, you know, I'm a little uneasy about Indiana and Michigan. But I think Penn State should win every single one of those games. It's just that Ohio State game. I feel like I am going to have a more definitive feeling as to why after the first week of action, even though Ohio State, even though Penn State's playing a good program uh, and Ohio State is playing a joke program that shouldn't be in the Big Ten, um, we'll see. But I think 7-1 is where I'm going to go with this one and... Man, this is this is going to be a really good, really fun football team. The stage, like, there is enough in the pipeline for them to be really, really good this year and then really, really good the year after and just continuously really, really, really good. And I cannot wait to see what ends up happening, starting with Saturday's game against our beloved Indiana Hoosiers. Um should be a really fun one, should be an interesting one. And Matt, to preview this game, let's break it down. What happens when Indiana has the football? What happens when Penn State has the football? Starting with slowing down Michael Penix Jr., really talented quarterback, uh, someone who I am, I think he is quite talented. I think he's going to be a really good football player at one point or another, but is coming off of a season in which his right sternoclavicular joint, got it, uh, caused his season to end early. I believe he had an ACL or an MCL injury that ended the season before that. I certainly think that it's plausible that he's going to be a really rusty dude uh, right out of the gates against a very, very good Penn State defense. Yeah, I agree. And I think a rusty quarterback combined with a 32-year-old play caller, who this is going to be the first game he ever calls plays for, is a good combo for Penn State. I think it's going to provide a good test. But I don't think that combo is enough to get past Brent Pry's defense and just a really talented group. So I'll kind of break this down and kind of how I how I view this this Indiana offense. They bring back three offensive linemen, their center and their two tackles, which is huge. That, that those are, I would argue, the three most important parts of an offensive line. So so that right there, that's pretty tough. But I think Penn State's defensive line wins this matchup because I think they have a lot more depth. And I think they can really bully some of these dudes. Uh, out wide for the Hoosiers, it, it's Wap Fillior and Ty Freifogel. Uh, Fillior is the most underrated receiver in the Big Ten. And, and it's really not close. Like, how this dude doesn't get more love is beyond me. I mean, he's a short dude and somebody who I think can really do some damage. And he missed a lot of the game last year because uh, he got knocked out pretty good uh, with a good hit by Ellis Brooks. So I, I'm worried about him. And on the other side, Freifogel is a big dude, which is re- where I really want to see Joey Porter Jr. step up. This dude, all of a sudden out of nowhere, seemed to have ascended the depth chart. And at his size, he's going to have to make sure he does a great job defending these 50-50 balls. And that's where I think he's going to thrive. And, and then Peyton Hendershot 
is at tight end, I think is going to be a great security blanket. And I think they could really look to him early, you know, kind of before Luketta and, and Ellis Brooks and Brandon Smith really get settled. But I went back and I watched some tape over the past couple of days and Luketta actually, granted it was the Maryland game was his like longest run, but he looked pretty good in pass coverage. I was actually surprisingly impressed. He, he looked very competent out there. So it, it's an interesting matchup. I think Indiana has good players everywhere but I don't think they're as good as Penn State, which I think is the perfect first test because I think it requires you to really bring your A game but have a little bit of leeway knowing that you have just the pure talent to go out there and beat these dudes. It's interesting because I think that the thing that makes Penix such a dangerous quarterback, he's really accurate. He's good at throwing the ball down the field. Uh, he's... He's someone who can use his legs, but prefers to beat you with his arm. And the thing that makes that so so tough is, like you mentioned, Matt, Watt Filor, 70 receptions last year, 1,002 yards, five touchdowns, Ty Freifogel, 45 receptions, 604 yards, three scores. They have guys who can beat you in the passing game. And I'm like... This is something that is so interesting with this Penn State defense because you're going to have to get to- get pressure on a quarterback who can move around a little bit. And you're going to have to be able to get pressure quickly because they have guys who are able to get open down the field. I think this is going to be, like you mentioned, Joey Porter Jr. is... Someone who's had a lot of buzz about him in recent days and weeks, it's going to be on him and it's going to be on Tariq Castro-Fields to rein in those two senior wide receivers who are capable of doing damage if you let them get into a rhythm. And it's going to be on the pass rush to get pressure to a quarterback who is rusty, who is coming off an injury, who knows if he's going to have happy feet or anything like that based on the fact that he's coming off of a pair of season ending uh, season ending injuries in each of the last two years. And you basically have to take the passing game away from Indiana to whatever extent you can. The issue with that is what happens with Indiana's ability to run the football. They're a really physical offensive line. And in the backfield, they have a pair of guys, Stevie Scott, the third and Samson James, uh, Bit of a thunder. Both fantastic names. Both outstanding oh, running they're back names. Really, really good uh, running back names. Uh, Scott is the big, burly bruiser of the two. Scott is listed at 6'2, 230. He's a guy who's going to provide a really fun test for Penn State's linebackers if he gets to that second level. Uh, and James, 6'1, 220. He's a little quicker, a uh, little, more, little more mobile, still a really talented football player. So to me, Matt, when I look at Indiana's running game, I look at something that if they're unable to get things going through the air, they have that to fall back on. And that's why, as you mentioned, I think this is such a good test for Penn State because Indiana can attack them in a few different ways. For sure. And, and this is where I'm actually pretty happy Stevie Scott is the featured back because this Penn State front seven is absolutely brutal. Uh, Ellis Brooks, Jesse Lucetta, th- their strength is stopping the run. PJ Mustaver is going to eat space. So it's actually Stevie Scott doesn't doesn't scare me as much as he probably should, because I feel like his running style 
plays into Penn State's strengths. So that that's kind of where I fall on that one. So it, it'll be interesting to watch how they want to use it. I think he's going to be the offensive player who, who's probably featured the most, more so than Penix, just because I think Penix has to work his way back into the, a rhythm here. So especially early. So I think they're going to Indiana's going to come out early and really try to establish the run. And this is going to be the moment where, where this Penn State front seven has to establish who they're going to be for the entire season. Yeah, and. I hate viewing Indiana through the lens of, you know, what's coming a week later. Because Indiana is a good team uh, that deserves a ton of respect for what they are able to do on the field. But it's a really good test considering that next week, Ohio State is going to have an accurate quarterback, uh, not a runner, but is mobile. receivers who can attack them a bevy of options in the running game like it's the best possible tune-up for Ohio State which also again on its merits Indiana is one heck of a football team on its own Matt when you look at Penn State's defense versus Indiana's offense what is the battle that you are keeping the closest eye on I think it has to be Penn State's corners, like like I just mentioned, against this Indiana these Indiana receivers. This Indiana team has a one-two punch that's established, unlike any I think we're going to see all year. And again, that's going to change because dudes are step up. We're going to learn some more names. But I, I think Fillior and Freifogel are as good of a one-two punch as we're going to see all year. And TCF has a lot to prove. And I think he's going to come out here and try to play like a man with his hair on fire. Because he was really good before he got hurt last year. And this has been the season he's been building for since he stepped on campus. This is a dude who played right away as a true freshman. That natural talent's there. That experience is there now. But he's never really been asked to be more than, than really that number two corner. And now, finally healthy, with his sights set on the NFL, he has to step up and, and have a great game. And like I just said, Joey Porter Jr. came out of nowhere. Like, the fact that all offseason, it was like, will it be Keaton Ellis or will it be Marquise Wilson? And then... You know, as it got closer, they're like, no, watch out for for this Joey Porter Jr. dude. And now for him to take that kind of jump really tells me how talented he is. And and he's going to have to prove that he belongs in that starting role because he has two, maybe three dudes, if you want to put Daquan Hardy in there, who are fighting for that spot. Because this is the most talented Penn State cornerback room I think we've had since I've been following the program. I mean, you can say, you know, that about, you know, the Grant Haley, Christian Campbell, Amani or Warrior John Reed, you know, year. But Top to bottom, I think this is the most talented group. So it's really going to be Penn State's corners against the receivers. And I think if they step up and really shut things down, I think it's going to allow Lamont Wade and Jaquan Brisker to play a lot more recklessly and really go out there and really force some turnovers and make some pretty big plays. Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, uh, I don't think you're wrong. I think you're 100% right on that one. So certainly, but I'm looking along Indiana's offensive line. Because one fun thing uh, about Penix is he is not a right-handed quarterback. He is a lefty, which means it's going to be a little... Whomever is lining up against Indiana's right tackle, big dude by the name of Nathan Bedford, 6'6", 314, was the team's offensive newcomer of the year last year. They're going to be put in a position that they're not used to being in. They're going to be rushing from the quarterback's blind side. My guess is that's going to be Jason Owe, which uh, 
would be a new job for him. I, I'll do a quick double check uh, while I'm speaking, but if Jason Owe's first test is going to be rushing the blind side of a left-handed quarterback, I think it's an opportunity for him to really announce himself uh, and what he could possibly accomplish this year against, again, a, a, a big, big, big defensive offensive lineman who is a very talented football player. So I'm going to be keeping a close eye on that. Going to the other side of the football mat, Penn State has it. Indiana's defense, if there is one thing that we know for sure, this is going to be a really, really, really well-coached, well-disciplined unit. Uh, It's one of Indiana's most well-rounded defenses that they've ever had. They're an athletic group. They're just a really good defensive team uh, coached up by Tom Allen, who's a really good defensive coach. How do you think Penn State should attack Indiana's defense in the first game of the Kirk Shiraka era? Well, there's two lines of thinking, and I think a lot of it's going to depend on how the game's going. This is a team built to run the football, and Noah Kane, I think, is going to be able to play bully ball. This is a really talented Indiana front seven. Like, don't don't get me wrong, but I am such a firm believer that this is the year where this offensive line takes that step and becomes the best in the conference. So I need them to go out there and play like it. But also, Penn State needs to get receivers ready for Ohio State. And the best way to do that is go out there and sling it. And that's never really been Kirk's philosophy. It's really been, let's establish the run, and then let's chuck the ball up to our dudes and let them make plays. And I think this is a team that can go out there and and make those kind of plays. But overall, I think the goal is getting out here and escaping with the win. So I'm going to go with you ride Noah Kane, and then if— the score allows you, if you'll feel comfortable, then go out there and start slinging it around a little bit, you know, take those, you know, calculated risks and really get these receivers for some experience. But overall, I think this has to be the Noah Kane and Devin Ford show. Let them win the game for you. And then let's get out of here and let's start getting ready for the biggest game of the year. See, I agree to an extent. Uh, I agree to the extent that I want them to do, uh, uh, I really do want them riding their running backs and riding this running game, but I go back and forth between wanting them to just show everything that they could possibly do and keeping an eye, you know, keeping a few uh, tricks up their sleeve with Ohio State coming uh, the following week. So what I think, like, what I think I'm going to settle on is I want them to just figure out exactly where that perfect balance is between those two things. What is just enough that they can do on offense? Like, I do not care if they win this game by one point. What is just enough that they can do on offense so that they do not have to worry about giving away the entire game plan at Ohio State? And I do want to see Sean Clifford and the wide receiving core build up a bit of a rapport like if they don't have to use Pat Fryermuth all that much I'd be pretty happy with that if he's going to be slinging the ball around to Jahan Dotson to Cam Sullivan Brown uh to Parker Washington and Keandre Lambert Smith and Daniel George just like really get the ball get guys comfortable catching the football I think that'd be something really really big for them so a lot that I think they can do with the ball uh, in the air. But then 
it also leads to this really interesting question, Matt. The question, to kind of go back a second, what is the right move? Is it to ride the running game? Is it to ride uh, Noah Kane and Devin Ford? Or is it to say, you know what, Sean, we trust you as we we go as you go because you are our quarterback. Go out there and see how much you can give us. I think it's, it's riding Kane and Ford. I think that is going to be so important to making sure they're able to escape with the win. And really, that's all it comes down to here. This this isn't an Indiana team. You're going to be able to go out there and win by like four touchdowns. So the important part here, I think, is going to be to control the clock, keep Michael Penix off the field, keep your defense rested, and just ride these two backs who I think can really have a solid day and get out with the win. And then, like I said, if the score allows it, and if you feel comfortable up, I don't know, 17 in the third, if that's a scenario that comes up, start slinging it. That's when you say, okay, this defense clearly is settled in. Let's go out there and let's find a way to move the ball in a different way. And then I think it's where you can start building up that experience. But to start things off, and if the case comes to keep it up through the game, I think you have to ride Kane and Ford. Yeah, I'm I'm really, really in. Like, I, I agree with that. Uh, but I really want to see this be a big year for Sean Clifford in that passing game because I'm not concerned about the running game at all. And I am a bit concerned about the passing game. So I would like them to use this game uh, as an opportunity to build some trust and to uh, make some of the concerns that I have, you know, work on chipping away at them. Because I'm sure that the concerns that I have are concerns that a lot of other Penn State fans have Matt, I want to go to the battle that you were keeping your eye on the most, because like we said, there is a lot of really interesting stuff going on with this Penn State offense, but Indiana's defense is going to throw things at, they're going to be, again, well-coached, well-disciplined, really talented unit. There is going to be a lot of stuff they could throw at Penn State. What is the the battle, the matchup, whatever it might be that you're going to be watching the closest? I think the obvious answer here is the receivers. Um, but first of all, I think the receivers' first battle is you have to get past themselves, which, frankly, they haven't done. So I'm going to go with the offensive line against the front seven because, like I said, this is a really talented Indiana front seven. But if Penn State's going to prove that they have the best offensive line in the conference, they have to go out there and dominate. So I'm not looking for just, you know, like, oh, look, you know, that was a good block and they were able to get Noah Kane three yards. It's like, no, these dudes are manhandling this Indiana front seven and Noah Kane's down the field 18 yards already. Or, you know, Clifford had to step up in the pocket. He made a really nice throw and avoided some pressure. It's like, no, Clifford could stay in that pocket for, you know, an hour if he needed to and, and just wait for his dudes to get open. So I think making sure this offensive line is shored up, finding out who the best dudes are, because I think they're still figuring out, you know, is Will Fry's better suited at guard? You know, where does Des Holmes fit in? Is Caden Wallace the guy at tackle? I think they're going to have to rotate a ton, which I'm excited about. So I think the big thing I'm going to be watching is how this offensive line develops, who's playing really well, and where they're playing really well. So, so that's something I think for sure fans should keep an eye on throughout the game. I'm going to go with the passing game. I am going to go with... Whichever of Penn State's receivers, my guess is it's going to be Jahan Dotson, are going up against Taiwan Mullen. Uh, I think he is a name that is worth keeping in mind if you're a Penn State fan. He's a 5'10", 176 corner, 
uh, 5,176-pound cornerback uh, on the Chuck Bednarik Award watch list. Uh, athletic named him a first-team freshman All-American. 24-7 sports did the exact same. He was an honorable mention All-Big Ten selection. Tom Allen has got, has said he is the most talented uh, cornerback he has ever coached up, and this dude can really, really play. I want to see him. Uh, oh, also, a uh, fun little note. His uh, cousin is a guy by the name of Lamar Jackson. I did not know that. I'm glad I clicked on his bio. Uh, the, are, we, are, we, are we talking the Ravens quarterback or the talking, old Nebraska cornerback? Uh, we were talking about the Ravens quarterback. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm uh, really funny if it was the other one. I'm real. I'm really upset you thought that I would say something positive about someone who went to the University of Nebraska. All right, well, it just would let, be really funny though if you, just, it, it, if it you would, just drop I, that. I, I was I was just going to let that one hang there for a second and, and into uh, in nothingness. Neither here nor there. We'll make fun of Nebraska a little bit more later. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's a really talented corner, and I think that for hopefully Jahan Dotson, I want him on Jahan Dotson. I want. Jahan Dotson getting tested by a player of his caliber from the get-go. Uh, I, I think it's an opportunity. If Jahan Dotson is going to be the dude in this Penn State passing game, it's an opportunity for him to show that he can be the dude against, again, a very, very good football player. So that's something that I'm going to be watching very, very closely. Matt, any final matchup things that you want to mention before we get into picks? No, I think I covered all my bases. Uh, this should be a really fun game. I think it's a really great first test. I do, too. What do you think is going to happen in that first test? So in the preview I wrote this morning, I have final score Penn State 28, Indiana 10. This Indiana offense, I think, is very good. But I'm a lot of it comes back to this being a really young first-time play caller against Brent Pry and a really talented defense. So I think they're going to move the ball a ton, but I think they're going to stall out a good bit, and I, and I think they're going to struggle to really punch it into the end zone. So I, I think it's probably a lot closer than the score seems. I think Penn State maybe finds a garbage-time touchdown here. Um, but giving the Nittany Lions to win and cover that spread, uh, I, I feel pretty confident that this is the kind of game where Penn State can work out a lot of kinks and get by without that much of a problem. I'm going to go Penn State 30 to 28. Uh, I, I'm a big believer in this Indiana, in just the balance that Indiana has on offense. And I think that's something that's going to provide Penn State with some issues. And then the other side of the ball, you know, I, I'm going back to that quote that Franklin gave to Bill C where he said, listen, we're going to need to be able to score. I think this is going to be a good opportunity for them to show that they can score against a good defense. Penn State 30 to 28, but I think they're going to be pushed, Matt. I think this is going to be the kind of game that uh, they end up winning and we feel good about them winning. You know, we're happy that they won, but we don't necessarily feel great uh, because of how close and how tight this football game is. Even though I think that's in large part because we we undersell how good this Indiana team could end up being. I agree. But wh where do you think those 28 points are coming from? Like how do those points come into play? Uh, attack, uh, probably attacking a young secondary that isn't proven and was liable to get carved up last season like that. I, I, I wonder how much of it basically comes down to the fact that I watched Penn state's 
get teams with some frequently into third and eight, third and nine, uh, second and 11, second and 12 situations last year, and then give up first downs, whether it was on one play, whether it was on uh, a play that got them into a manageable fourth and one, third and one, fourth and short type of thing. That That is going to loom large for me, and that's something that I'm going to be... Uh, that's something that until they prove that is not the case, I'm going to be concerned it is. Makes sense. Totally fair. So yeah, let's talk about the Big Ten uh, as a whole. Big Ten, of course, getting in on the college football game this weekend, starting on set Friday evening. Illinois traveling to Camp Randall to take on 14th ranked Wisconsin. Wisconsin a 20 point favorite over under of 51 and a half. I, you know, for me, Matt, I don't know what to expect out of Illinois this year. Uh, they seemed like they figured a couple of things out uh, last, you know, they were by no means uh, a team of giant killers last year they weren't a team that ended up you know they went six and six on the year but in the middle of all of that they beat wisconsin 24 to 23 i don't think they do it again but i think that wisconsin by 20 points is a bit too generous for the badgers yeah i agree completely give me the badgers to win outright uh but give me the hoosiers to cover um i think they're going to be a really solid team again. And again, uh, like I said, in, in Nick's and I's picking the big uh, piece a couple of days ago, if, if you're getting double digits and you're a team with your pulse, I'm taking you plus the points. So I think the Hoosiers play pretty well. Um, I'm curious to see what Graham Mertz looks like. Uh, I think he's really intriguing. And then I'm very curious to see what three-star running back Wisconsin found who's going to run for like 2,000 yards in nine games. That'll be fun. Uh, speaking of 3,000 yards, uh, on Saturday, Ohio State plays host to Nebraska. Uh, this Ohio is a fantastic State. transition. That was fantastic. Brother, I have been doing Penn State podcasts since like 2013 or 2014, something like that. Like By this point, I'm just dead inside. Like It's second nature to be able to do those, and I hate myself for it. Uh, neither here nor there. Uh, Ohio State ranked fifth in college football, number one in SP+. Um, bunch of caveats and disclaimers go into all of that. 26-point uh, favorites over under of 68. Matt, I think that Ohio State is going to come out, and it's not even a how last year ended thing. I think that there has been a lot of chatter about Nebraska over the last year or two. They've done a lot of complaining over the last year or two. Uh, there was... Some quote about, I don't remember exactly what it is, they wanted to play uh, college football's like biggest teams, and then they got scheduled Ohio State and Penn State in cross-conference uh, cross play, and they complained about it. Uh, I think Ohio State's going to come out with a vengeance. Uh, I think Ohio State's going to come out, based on all that stuff, based on the fact that when you look at at the standings, Clemson has five games on them, Alabama has four games on them, they're going to want to make a message, and I think they're going to come out and make that message. Yeah, don't watch this game. This game is going to be so – unless you want to laugh at Nebraska, then watch this game and, and have a great time. Um, give me the Buckeyes by like 50. This is going to be gross. This is going to be terrible. And, hey, it will further uh, expose Scott Frost as a fraud, but I do like Adrian Martinez a lot, so that's kind of a shame. I hope he plays well. Yeah, uh, moving on to a game that I am absolutely not going to watch, uh, a former – 
just uh, for with TV info, Illinois, Wisconsin's on BTN. Uh, Ohio State, Nebraska is a big nude Saturday. Uh, on BTN, noon kick from Spartan Stadium in East Lansing, Michigan. Michigan State against Rutgers. Matt, I have nothing to say about Heck this. Heck yeah. I have nothing Heck, to say give me about this game. Rutgers outright. Rutgers outright. Rutgers going on the road. On the taking field! The fighting Mel Tuckers and the mess Mark D'Antonio left him. Give me Greg Schiano. Give me the fighting Art Sitkowskis by like, I don't know, like two probably. Disgusting. Uh, moving on, the game that is going to follow this on BTN 330. Uh, there was, as I could see, there was no, uh, or at least on ESPN's um, website. Give me a second. Let's see if I can get a line for that. Yeah, it doesn't look like they're, oh, Michigan State is a 10 and a half point favorite. Um yeah, I don't know about that. And then the previous game, uh, Ohio State's a 26-point favorite. I think there's a chance that Ohio State gets more than 26, wins by more than 26 points. Uh, They'll three, double it. They might. If they double it, uh, uh, the over-under is 68, so they may not do it. They may not do the over-under in the spread, but that would uh, that would be quite funny. Uh, 3.30 kick, BTN from ross Aid Stadium in lovely West Lafayette, Indiana. Iowa, three-and-a-half-point favorite over Purdue. Do over under a 52 and a half. We did learn uh, slightly before we started doing this podcast that Purdue star Rondale Moore will not uh, play in this football game. Matt, for me, if Rondale Moore is like, I know Iowa has to replace Nate Stanley, but if Rondale Moore is not there, I, I have some pessimism about this Purdue team. Yeah, this is probably the most boring game to me uh, of the week. I don't know. Nate Stanley's fine. The next Iowa quarterback will be fine. Um, Purdue has like a thousand quarterbacks. So one of them has to start. It's a shame about Rondell Moore. It would have been fun to watch him. I hope he gets healthy. And so he can go out there and have a fun, likely last season here. Uh, But give me the Hawkeyes uh, to win this one. Next up, 730 kick, a night game in lovely Minneapolis, Minnesota. I, I've never actually been to Minneapolis or West Lafayette, so I can't tell you for sure if it's a lovely place. But uh, West Lafayette's so, great. I like West Lafayette huh, a lot. Interesting. Seven thirty kick. ABC. Uh, Michigan going to play Minnesota. Michigan a three point favorite over under a fifty four. Uh, the Wolverines are going into this one trying to break in. A uh, new quarterback, believe it is going to be Joe Milton. Uh, I have th- this has all the the game of the weekend hype. Uh, I think Matt. I don't know what to expect, but I feel like if I am going to pick in this game, the much smarter thing is to go with the known. Uh, commodity at quarterback and go with Minnesota because they have Tanner Morgan. Rashad Bateman is going to be there. I can't imagine they're going to do too terribly much after losing Kirk Sharaka, but this has potential to be a pretty good football game. Yeah, this one will be fun. I'm excited about this one. I, 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 I'm still not sold on Tanner Morgan as a quarterback. I, I think he really benefited from the system, which is fine. A lot of quarterbacks are like that, and, that, and that's a, you can have a great career with that. I mean, but, I don't, I don't want to hate on him. There's a good chance that Sean Clifford's that kind of guy. 
And that's exactly that's my point. That's totally mm-hmm. fine. Like, but I think taking taking Kirk Shiraka out of that equation, and I think Michigan was really humming. They ran into a buzzsaw at the end of the year, having to play Alabama in a bowl game. Um, that's just not fair. Uh, I think Michigan can win this one outright. I, I'm excited to watch this one. I'm excited to see what Joe Milton is. I'm excited to see Josh Gaddis. You know, really settled in now. See what he can do. So. Give me the Wolverines. I have no confidence in it, but I don't know. I think that would make a much more intriguing Big Ten race if that comes to fruition. And then to end with two teams that will have no say in the Big Ten race. Uh, seven thirty. My favorite game of the weekend. Seven thirty kick. Uh, Ryan Field in Evanston, Illinois. Maryland against Northwestern. Matt, do you know what the line for this game is? I think Maryland's getting like ten. Northwestern minus eleven. Yeah, all right. I was right. Not That's bad. I believe that. Yeah, give, me the, give me the wild wildcats are going to be good this year because they were awful last year, and the law of averages state <laughs> they have to be good now. So, wildcats, give me the wildcats uh, winning by like fourteen. You're, this th- game is going to be gross. That game's it's in your backyard, so I trust you uh, completely on all all, all year long. Uh, we are going to trust you on all matters completely of and related to Northwestern Wildcat football. Listen, the weather tomorrow, it's 45 is the high and the low is 41. So it's right in that like prime Big Ten weather range. So and there's no team more Big Ten than the heart of Chicago's own Northwestern Wildcats. Ooh, and Northwestern got Maryland and at Sparty as their uh, East crossover game. So, yeah, may- listen, this is setting up perfectly for Northwestern to win. You know, they win six games. They end up representing the Big Ten West in the Big Ten Championship game. Uh, and then Ohio State or Penn State just, you know, beats the hell out of them in the conference title game. It is just setting up that way. That, that would be fantastic. That would be my favorite outcome to this season. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's everything. I mean, Matt, we're uh, it, it's it's time. Let's uh, let's play some football, man. Any final thoughts before I do the the, the little sign off at the end? Uh, no, can't wait. So excited. I, I, again, I, this is like the season I'm most excited for it. A lot of that I think is because this year has just been so long and terrible and we didn't get to watch Penn state basketball in the tourney, which I'm still angry about. So this being the first Penn state sports action since like March is makes it, I think so much more exciting for me. You had to mention Penn state basketball, didn't you? We almost went, I had had, had to sneak it in. You didn't mention them in a capacity that would have made me want to uh, give myself a swirly. So at least, at least we, at least we have that. Uh, but yeah, thank you everyone for listening to this edition of the podcast. We know it came out a little bit late this week. Uh, that is because I'm stupid and I spilled coffee on my laptop and I'm just now getting it back. Uh, thank you very much for listening to this edition the of coffee or the laptop, uh, the laptop. Uh, so this is, <laughs> this is a new, this is a new coffee shop that uh, has 32 ounce iced coffees. So I still managed to get an entire like regular size iced coffee after spilling half of it on my laptop. It was, it, it was very nice outside of the fact that like, this is how, I, how I make a living. So neither here nor there. Thank you everyone for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. As always, make sure you're subscribing to the podcast or wherever you could find your podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, wherever you might go. If you're doing Apple Podcasts, please leave us uh, a five-star review if you would be so kind as to do that. Make sure you're following us on all of our various social media channels. Uh, We debuted a new article of clothing over at the store, uh, a hoodie based off of the legendary 
Penn State football quote by Dion Butler. We are not normal. We are legends. Buy it today. It will be your favorite hoodie that you own. Uh, I will not make a promise on that. Just trust me on it. Make sure you're following us on all those social media channels. Keep reading the site. Keep supporting the site. And one last time, thank you very much for listening to this edition of Royal Lions Radio. For my co-host, Matt Filipovic, I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone. Parker Washington, Severn catches 85 yards, calling it.